1: My men in the church, they all went to defend their homes. When you've got missiles and bombs and things on the horizon and the the, the men in the church try to send their family to a safe place and then they go to the local checkpoint or the military mobilization place, they get weapons handed to them and they defend their town. That is something that you would not wish on anybody.
0: Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life, and Real Faith
2: with Eric Scatabow. Well, our guest today is once again, Pastor Wayne Sheck, who's joining us from Ukraine and has been serving there as a missionary for over 29 years. Today, Wayne will share more of his life journey and more about what it's like doing ministry in a war-torn country. Last time, he told us about how he came to serve in Ukraine when he was almost 18 years old and how he met his wife there. Now we'll pick up the story as Wayne shares about some of the fascinating ministry work he's been doing there before the war began. We should say, besides being a pastor, you're also a cricket coach, is that right? (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, it's funny. Um, When it dawned on me in Ukraine that, you know, I've given up the dream to be a fighter pilot, the only thing that I really lost was the chance to play cricket because I loved cricket. Yep. But then after 15 years in the country Mm -hmm. and uh, Tasmanian calls me uh, from the next town and he says, hey, do you know that there are Indians that play cricket in Kiev? And it's like, oh, we've got to check this out. So we went to Kiev, and as a kid, of course, we we had red ball, white clothes. It was white skin, long form out of the game, astroturf turning into turf, grass fields, and then uh, you turn up in Kiev, and it's a soccer field that's all dirty from the <laughs> as, as snow is melting. It's it's not looked after well. There's some asphalt around that oh, on wow. the outside, it's like there's a running track around it. Um, broken glass and that sort of stuff, but it's dirt. So it's dark skin, colored clothes, white ball, short format of the game, and this coconut mat on the ground, which covers up the the divots underneath. But when they tossed me this ball and I caught it, sorry to say with the the, the spiritual connotation, it was like being born again, again. (laughs) Um, So I got my childhood dream back, and uh, you can't see it here, but... Behind me, uh, you've got the, the the books and the bookshelf, but at the top of the bookshelf, there's like a couple dozen of trophies. And these are my cricket playing trophies from in Ukraine. So it's the Indians. They take the cricket culture with them. It's in their blood. Huh. And uh, through being uh, a simple, uh, committed, hard playing cricket player, and then God opens up doors. We actually uh, have Ukraine's only dedicated cricket field in Ukraine, in our town here. And oh, so, wow. Indian students that are studying medicine or engineering or, or whatever, mainly medicine, mm-hmm. they come from all over the country to have tournaments in our town. Oh, um, wow. And the record is 50, 50 Indians staying in our church building <laughs> uh, during wow. the tournament. And uh, yeah, so, it's, you know, when you're the Old Testament picture of coming to the tabernacle and you've got you've got the aroma right of mm-hmm. the of the worship and uh, what's the english word for the the, the incense that's mm-hmm. it yeah. uh well, as soon as someone comes to our church and you open up the door you can smell the curries and the <laughs> indian spices and it's like oh no cricket season has started again <laughs> so
2: but but i mean as fun as it is to play cricket it's also a ministry opportunity
1: so, I'm a very simple person. Um, Jesus says that we need to worship God with everything that we have. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if we're doing things that we can't worship him in, then you've got to rethink your theology. I don't believe that there's a a secular, sacred divide. I think that Jesus lived where everything was was worship, and people saw that, and it wasn't religiosity. So, mm. everything that I do, I, I I do with my full strength. I give glory to God. Um, I try to do things in faith and you love people and then everything then is a result of, you know, both his supernatural work, but what's the atmosphere that you're creating? What, what are your values? Mm. And so, yeah, we became a a magnet or a light on a hill that the Indians with their own struggles and clans and, and castes and that whole thing, they decided, Hey, we can work with Wayne. And so, Mm. uh, they, they put some money uh, into that and started sending teams. And then guess what? Um, the politics was moved aside and we've got this. We, we had before the war a, a growing cricket uh, ministry, but I wouldn't call myself, uh, I may be like a, a chaplain or something. That's sort of, I'm this spiritual guy. One of my giftings is that we start something and if a Ukrainian or whoever comes along, then it grows through mm-hmm. um, this we were hoping to get sports ministry coaches to come and join us and actually i have a young engineer who uh is a he's scottish he graduated from uh with an engineering degree to work mm-hmm. on our community transformation project where we turn plastic into uh into fuel plastic waste into fuel that that's just a little something you do on the side oh um um what can i say on the side <laughs> so um As my gifting uh, was becoming apparent uh, and you begin to see where what God's put in you already, um, maintaining a local church, um, we wanted to be a part of it, we wanted to inspire it, but not maintain it. Um, We have an entrepreneurial side that is growing where we believe in sustainable missions that we can use resources that are available to both financially support the local work but disciple people by rubbing shoulders with them at the workplace mm-hmm. and because this society is not working well there's lots of issues with waste and actually in many of places around the world that are that haven't ha- don't have what we would call a vibrant community of jesus followers or an impact from the gospel you have you know many of them are uh, are, are poor Mm-hmm. Uh, society doesn't work well and they have huge environmental challenges that are mm-hmm. only getting worse. So we believe that through the way that I'm geared, that if God brings in the right people to take this, the projects to the next stage, we can see uh, environmental transformation, workplace discipleship, and then sustainable missions where we can then help finance but empower others that are already called to other places that also have these major problems. But if mm. we can come in and empower them by starting something, then we'll be able to see something um, significant happen, if the Lord wills.
2: Quickly, what are some of these different projects that you've done in the past and are doing now?
1: <laughs> okay. So it all started when I inherited being the pastor, and then and then we miraculously got this church building that it hadn't been heated for five years. So we have, you know, five, six months of the, the year that need heating, and we had what felt like 100% unemployment in the church. So, Mm. if you can imagine the church that you go to, or if you don't go to church, could you imagine everyone on your street that doesn't have a job? Life would be very different, very, very different. Mm. Um, And the social welfare thing, it's not like Australia during COVID where the government was just throwing money out at people to to keep them happy uh, during lockdown. This is a place that has gone through systematic annihilations of millions of people over the Mm. last hundreds of years so very different mind mindset so uh when it dawns on you that no one has a job there's very little income and now we have this huge uh, facility um what do we do and so i was praying and it's like god i'm i'm told the what the word of god in prayer that's what we do we do the word of god in prayer That's what missionaries are supposed to do, but it's like these people are hungry, they have no leadership, they have no future, there's no hope, but they believe in Jesus, uh, that he saved them from their sins, and that's a real theological challenge, because in the end, it's Jesus that takes us to heaven, you know, being born again, but um, it's not just a transaction, life comes into you and then life needs to shine through you and go Mm. into the darkness and it transforms so we started with an experiment to do a biogas um, system, which was to take organic waste to create gas to heat the church building. That experiment flowed over to a biodiesel um, concept where we take um, like French fry oil from McDonald's mm-hmm. or, or fish and chip shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we it was amazing that um, we would – you know, we produced our own fuel, and the church van drives past smelling like fried chicken. Like, <laughs> not, not only are we these crazy foreigners that somehow miraculously got this building in the center of town, but everything that we do just smells like it should be eaten, sort of sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then, of course, when we brought mushrooms out of the basement of the church where we were growing them, there um, suddenly it clicked with the locals because the church is pretty much a reflection or a picture of what's going on in society. We were inundated by hundreds of people wanting
2: jobs. Well, I was going to say, so did these ideas, did they work? Did they create jobs? So
1: they did create jobs, but it was, that, that was a revelationary moment for me. One was being released from the, there's the spiritual and there's the secular, but no, here it is. Um, I was created in this way. I grew up with my dad building a hovercraft in the garage of the, uh, at the home in, mm-hmm. in Harvey Bay. So mm-hmm. My dad was a tinkerer and a thinker and a welder and an artisan. And it turns out I'm not an artisan working with my hands is not the thing, but I definitely have ideas. Yeah. And so here in Ukraine, you could see so many things that could and should be done um no one's doing them later on as you start to do things you discover why no one's doing them and that's a part of the journey that you're on but um that that thing of you know uh, the the contrast of the picture of the the concerts where you know they shut us down mm-hmm. and it's like, well, how do we get access to people and then here it is you've got this it's like the samaritan woman at the well where she's gone off, and she's run, you know she's gone off to tell the town, and the, the disciples turn up, and Jesus says, "Look, you know that thing about the harvest? Well, turn around, look at them. Here they come." Hmm. And so it was like the streams of people coming to us, wanting a job. They were wanting something. They were there. There was a, there was a journey of um, the Christians have hope. The Christians are doing something. Hmm. There's something practical here, yeah. and it can at least help feed my family mm-hmm. so that's when that when that penny dropped um it's like okay god was like you wanted access to people's lives here it is this is what you do so yeah we we've done a major mushroom growing uh, thing and we learned a lot and we had to put that aside um temporarily the biodiesel grew and we had 35 tons of of oil a month and that oh, was wow. doing great until until the revolution in 2014 And then the war and I just knew that that project was going to stop and it eventually did. And then the next thing was this project of transforming municipal solid waste, in particular plastic, into Mm. a viable fuel, just because biodiesel, the only way you can use it is if if you're frying something and you've got oil left over, whereas waste is a worldwide phenomenon and it's Mm. getting worse and plastic plastic all over the world so we started working on um a technology our own version of that that would turn um, this uh, waste into a resource of of energy and fuel and and uh, open the doors for, for other things so that project has been growing over the last 8 years and uh if the war didn't start we would have launched this last year but now um uh, we're now gathering internally displaced people so mm. my 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 men in the church and the men at the work site, they all went to defend their homes. Mm. I I just, just when you've got missiles and bombs and things on the horizon and people coming to your church in droves and you're helping them, the the, the men in the church try to send their family to a safe place. And then they go to the local checkpoint or the military Mm. mobilization place. Mm. They get, weapons handed to them and they defend their town mm. that is that is something that you would not wish on anybody mm-hmm. um you know husband kisses his wife goodbye she drives off and he walks in to, to grab a gun to to defend his house just a few kilometers away so that that the, our lives have been turned upside down um significantly but now a year on some of my key guys are in the military preparing to head to the eastern ukraine Um, Others are being called up. Others have already been discharged and administering to wounded soldiers in the hospitals. Mm. Amazing ministries. We're all involved in some sort of trauma ministry.
2: Our guest today is once again, Pastor Wayne Sheck, who's joining us from Ukraine, where he's been serving as a missionary for over 29 years. We'll hear more about doing ministry work in a war-torn country when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's
0: most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skado. And today, once again, my guest is Pastor Wayne Sheck, who's joining us from Ukraine and sharing about the challenges of doing ministry work in a war-torn country. Today's chat with Wayne was recorded on the 23rd of February, 2023, on the eve of the one-year anniversary of the start of the war. Take us to the eve of the war beginning. What was that like?
1: (laughs) So, um... Our uh, the the crisis team internationally were had prepared us. Well, first leave. off,
2: I should ask you: Were you thinking, "Hey, let me get out of here. This is Ukraine's war. I, I should just go back to Australia." What, what, did that cross your mind?
1: Oh, I have the option to go to Australia. Uh, that's not. That's not. That that's yeah. That, that's not a. That's not a question. I can go, but I've been on my own parallel spiritual journey with the Ukrainian people. For the last almost thirty years. So I mm. every major event in my life is is there tied directly to um what's going on with uh with the Ukrainian people. We've been uniquely prepared mm. um by the Lord to be here with this people uh at this time. And as we were being briefed and prepared that um we should evacuate, um I mean the when when the US government told its people to leave and then the Brits and then we were getting emails and and calls from Australia, you know, you need, you need to leave. Um, we had already gone through this with our mission and we have, we have key families here that are in a similar position to ourselves. And it's like, we are not going anywhere. Mm. Um, we actually did send those that weren't culturally grounded enough We sent them out um, back to uh, to, across the border to Europe. Mm -hmm. That was very traumatic for them. Mm -hmm. But they all found ministry on the border in Poland taking in refugees. Mm -hmm. And then um, we were prepared with fuel and we're taking cash and and, and stuff like that, uh, preparing for what it would look like, and then we would see. And then basically almost to the day when it happened on the 24th, when we woke up in the morning uh, of the twenty fourth and heard the rumblings on the horizon, um, we um, yeah ma- made the phone call and said that it's begun, and we we started our contingency plans. During the first weeks of the war, we had so many stories of miraculous intervention mm-hmm. that you know, so God is God is over what's going on. Human history—it's His history mm-hmm. that starts with His creation, um, the beauty of that, and then the fall, and then humankind choosing Abraham, and then Jesus, and and in the end, Jesus will return. So He's in all of this, and mm-hmm. He knows what He is leading humankind through. And we're at this very dramatic stage at the moment for the, for the Ukrainian uh, people, but God is in this situation he's over the situation and he's working through the situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Now unfortunately we're running out of time, but so uh, you shared with us how ministry was all these exciting things you were doing to create jobs before the war. What has ministry been like after the war started?
1: Um well, me in my unique position plus the power not going off during the early times and the internet staying on, my job was to connect people to both evacuate and also to, uh, connect with the West and people to pray. And then eventually people are sending money for aid. And so we've gone through multiple stages of different types of ministry. So, um, helping people evacuate and then providing safe place and safe passage for them. And then after the Russians fled from the Northern front, uh, we got involved in humanitarian aid. Mm-hmm. And then, after having several hundred people come through our church going westward to mm-hmm. become refugees in in Europe, we uh, took in some long- termers from cities that they didn't want to run further than they needed to, and they've stayed here in our in our church. Mm-hmm. So we've got some long-term uh, people and also different types of ministries that are that are starting. You can imagine this whole area of trauma ministry, mm-hmm. just uh, it's hard to fathom, um, but the Christians are involved and uh, we have a, a light that can help during that, uh, that whole um, next stages. Mm-hmm. But because we're not on the front lines and because of my gifting, we've been employing internally displaced people, creating jobs for them. Helping stimulate the economy, which is nose diving, mm. and on that we're looking at uh, if we can implement the things that are on our heart, we can then sustainably help others who are doing amazing things, mm. as well as continuing uh, to be that connection between Westerners and uh, and Ukrainians who are much closer to the front lines. So that that's my uh, that's my area of of expertise and, and my calling.
2: And would you say that? I mean, obviously, it's horrific, the deaths and destruction that's going on in the country. Would you say that is there some kind of a a silver lining as far as people getting closer to the Lord through it all?
1: At every point in crisis, um, God is speaking, um, Mm. and everyone is on their own spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So some people are fearful, running, and closed Others are fearful, running, and become open. And along this journey of people fleeing, when someone who hasn't been seeking the Lord suddenly is in the arms of the Christians, and then as he's going further, in the arms of the Christians, and in the arms of the Christians, and then in Europe, ends up in the arms of the Christians. Mm. That's just one little snippet of the types of ministry that God is doing. The other silver lining is I mentioned that there hadn't been a reformation here so the Christians had been a persecuted uh, uh, we're talking we're talking evangelical ch- Christians. Mm-hmm. they've been persecuted during communist time, not accepted as a part of society mm-hmm. And then as communism disappears and and crumbles, this tiny little minority begins to try and find out how do they they, they need to stop saying no to the government because the government was communist, right It's mm-hmm. you know and yes to Jesus the question is now how do we say yes to jesus and yes to this new freedom so um christians have been trying to find their their way how do we how do we do that but uh, a beautiful example is the birth of the chaplaincy movement Mm -hmm. so in 2014 you had the young evangelists that would go to the soldiers who are you know this this straggly group of volunteers with very little anything um of supplies and whatever but they've gone to fight to save their country and then you get the evangelist that turns up and he hands out tracts and he talks with them and he prays and then the soldiers say will you stay with us and the soldiers mm. are feeling the need for spiritual Uh, something like there is a, there is an element like when you're in fear and you're seeing death and things like that. Yeah. God sends his light into the darkness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so these young evangelists can't stay forever with these guys, but they come back and they learn about combat medicine and they learn about, you know, uh, trauma in the battlefield and they Mm -hmm. learn about this and through this time You know, months and months later, you can see this was a young evangelist, and now he is a battle-hardened spiritual warrior Mm. who is amongst men who literally days of, you know, uh, of of life and death. And through things like this, the church and also the churches became, when people were fleeing the country, it was churches became life centers,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. places of light and and, uh, sanctuary. And so Mm -hmm. this is the process that God has for the Christian church in Ukraine as the the chance of revival, uh, the the chance of reformation, the chance of transformation uh, comes, but uh, yeah, the church has been very active, and it's been a privilege to be here at this time.
2: Wayne Shek, thank you so much. We've only scratched the surface. There's so much more I could ask you about what's going on the ministry there, but it sounds like, obviously, we should really be praying for the situation and for peace and for the ministry to continue and people getting closer to the lord thank you so much for sharing your story and about the situation there in ukraine thank you so much
1: thanks a lot it was a privilege
2: well that was part two of my conversation with pastor wayne sheck who joined us from ukraine where he's been serving as a missionary with operation mobilization for over 29 years And I would just like to encourage everyone listening today to lift up the country of Ukraine in prayer. We pray for peace and for everyone who has been impacted by the trauma of war that the Lord would heal their mental and physical wounds. Also, we pray for all the ministries that are active there, like Operation Mobilization. May the Lord supply everything they need to effectively minister and keep them safe. Well, to find out more about Operation Mobilization and the work they're doing in Ukraine, their website is om.org.au. Once again, that's om.org.au. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Wayne Sheck's story and insights into the country of Ukraine and what's going on there. Until next time, I'm Eric Skadabo. So long and God bless.